Hello and welcome to the Impact at Home podcast from us at Impact Wales. We're Fanola and Jane and every week we'll be bringing you the very best professional learning to help you make an impact in your school. Hello and welcome back. We're here again. This is uh, podcast number 10, I think. Uh, well, I've, I've lost track because I think we've done a couple of other specials as well. So I think we might actually have done more than that, but yeah. we'll have to wait okay, and see. So we're in double figures. We are, but you know, we've had a break for a couple of weeks. Um, sun is shining. I think we've forecast some thunderstorms a little bit later today, but yeah. we're back in the office for another little chat. Yeah, we are. And we're going to talk about um, what the future may hold. And I think that's a very difficult question, isn't it? What the future may hold. I'm going to get my crystal ball out now so we can see. <laughs> yeah, so we'll be looking at our crystal ball in this um, podcast where we're looking at uh, what the future holds for teachers and schools across the UK and how we can support teachers to actually be ready for whatever the future holds yes so what does the future hold for schools in the uk where are we well it's goodness knows what's you know what, what's going to happen if you look in other countries as well what's happening with the infection rates and the number of positive cases mm. you know there seems to be that that increase that's beginning to build not just yeah. um across the border in england but you know in wales as well and i think what with the situation we're in now here in the beginning of August could be very different in yeah. in September. So I think we need to think very carefully, carefully how we're going to manage that. Well, that, that's what's really interesting. I think we're going to kind of go a little bit away from education today to talk about the wider picture yeah. uh, because it has an impact on education. But what's really interesting for us over the last two weeks, because we've had a, a two-week in quote-unquote break. Neither of us have actually been away, but we just had a, a holiday of sorts at home. How much has changed in those two weeks? Yeah. But, you know, two weeks ago, we were in a situation where holidays were opening up, people were going on holiday, there was no... Quarantine was kind of being mentioned, but it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. Uh, and now we're in a very different situation with lots of local lockdowns in, in England, uh, Wrexham has also changed from being just a, a meatpacking plant that had um, infections to now um, the Milo Hospital as having a, a community uh, transmission. So we're in a very different situation. But the reason that we wanted to talk about the wider picture is because as it currently stands across the UK, all schools will be back full time in September. And that's certainly the expectation of the government. Yeah, both from government within Westminster and we're assuming that the, the, from here in Wales that schools will be back full time yeah. for all pupils. Come what well, September fourteenth is, yeah. is is the date that's been set here in Wales. Yeah, and the um, it seems to be that uh, there are differences between what's happening in Wales and what's happening in the rest of the UK and what's happening in Scotland and Northern Ireland, but it does seem to be that the uh, home countries outside of the UK government are following what the UK government says, but in their own flavour. Um, so, you know, you can look at what Boris Johnson and his government is saying about schools and gather some information about what's going to look like in England, but also what's going to look like in the other home countries. I, I think it's very important for my Scottish colleagues, I think, going back today. Mm. Um, so I think it's you know, good, good luck. Um, but yeah. I think it's also worth just keeping an eye to see about how our colleagues there are managing the situation yeah. and, and what it's going to be like in two to three weeks time when they've had time to get to grips yeah. with with the current current changes the the kind of um, political statement has been all schools are back all schools are back full time 
and they will stay open no matter what. That's what's coming out of the UK government. Now, obviously, um, I haven't heard what's coming out of Welsh government or Northern Ireland or um, Scotland, but it seems to be a similar process, maybe not quite as adamant, but you know, schools are the priority. And the expectation is, or it certainly was two weeks ago, that all schools being um, open full-time with all pupils being um, there in, in school was actually perfectly doable, but it seems to be feeling slightly different now yeah. with the infection rates rising in on the continent and uh, on the north of England and a couple of hotspots elsewhere. So one of the things that we were talking about this earlier today, obviously one of the things that we think is really, really important is we have to be ready for anything. We have to be flexible for whatever virus is going to throw at us come September. Yeah, flexible and adaptable. And rather than us sitting here and saying, well, we need to be flexible, we need to be adaptable, we need to be dynamic, you know, it's, it's no good just coming up with these but how are we going to do this? Yes, hey. yes. We need to be practical. And I think we need to say, well, what does being flexible actually mean in practice? So we've thought about this. And obviously, both as former teachers ourselves, um, as maths and English teachers, secondary, but I taught uh, primary aged children as well, is thinking about what, what would it be like? What would we expect to do if we were walking back into the classroom um, in a few weeks' yeah. time? might not have met before you haven't got that relationship and we i think we talked in the last podcast you know it it might make sense for whether you it's a it's a group that you had last year that you're continuing through mm. into this year which i know happens quite frequently in secondary not always in primary and mm. um, what can we do in those first few weeks to actually get to grips with learners and look at what their needs are yeah. and how we can adapt to yeah. what we need to do yeah because that's the thing is that um, if, if you, just like any other September, you don't know what's happening in six weeks. You don't know where those children have been, what they've done. Um, and to a certain extent, you still don't know that, but it's even more important right now. So we were talking about this and we think that the most important thing is just not to not to plan too much, to give yourself space and time to really, really listen and to find out. And I, I think from a from an English perspective, and I was thinking about this sort of topic as well, is that I would set something really um, basic and broad and foundational so that you can start to see, okay, where are they? But without without uh, pushing them on too far, without, we wouldn't want any kind of full-on, you know, exam-style testing going on or, you know, anything that put pupils under pressure but you do need to know where they are it's a really key elements of formative assessment isn't it it's not the testing side but it's listening observing yeah talking to pupils looking at what they they can do and they can't do what they find easy what they struggle with to inform you for from those first few weeks going forward into the autumn term yeah and i think that 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 reflects what the research is saying about more sort of um formal assessment is that it's got to be performance-based as opposed to knowledge-based because you you want to see what they can do it's that application of their learning that's more important than their actual you know recall it's just as we call that they can recall is it no things that they can actually do. well this is it it's, it's the connections that they've made and that's what learning is is the connections that they've made and obviously the knowledge underpins that but it's that 
access to that knowledge, that ability to retrieve it and the ability to actually make connections with things that they may not have uh, thought about before. One of the things that we were also talking about is, so you've got your first couple of weeks of, um, you know, knowing where people's heart are and let's, let's hope that's all it takes is a couple of weeks and, you know, you get to a point and go, right, okay, I know where they are now. And then you're starting to think a little bit longer term and you're starting to think about what you're going to do over the next six weeks or eight weeks or even for the rest of the term. And one of the things that we were talking about was that things most definitely will happen in those six, eight, ten weeks is that we may be in a position where, um, where we were prior to the original lockdown, where teachers were having to self-isolate, where um, you know their the schools were finding it much more difficult to actually have the class teacher in front of the class, or even have whole classes together, or even have um, year groups who are self-isolating because a case has come up. Because if cases are rising, we may not be in a situation where you know, um, we've got more ICU admissions, which is what seems to be happening. But if cases are rising, then self-isolation is going to be rising as well, and that's going to have yeah. an impact. But it's also about what that time lag between the yeah. cases increasing and the ICU. Yeah. So it's not, well, yes, not yes. Hand in hand, yeah. And we're not epidemiologists. We don't, we're not. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 don't, we don't know what that means, but we know that there will be disruption. And I think what was interesting towards the end of um, the summer term is that once the announcement had been made that all schools were going to return full time, that there was a feeling of, oh, phew, blended learning, oh, we don't need to do that. Yeah. And oh, we can completely understand that, that you wouldn't want to, you know, the thought of doing something that's outside your comfort zone, that you're not comfortable with, that's new, on top of everything else is, is stressful. So the thought that you wouldn't have to do that and be able to, you know, kind of push that one to one side would be great. But actually, we think that that, that would be foolish. But we've also talked all along in some of the previous podcasts about how important it is to look back on the last, oh, I've lost, lost count of how many weeks, 16, 17 weeks. Yeah, we get that and, five and, months, yeah. and pull out the things that have really worked on the blended learning yeah. curriculum. And thinking about when you come back in September, let's look at the curriculum in a way so that it doesn't matter if you've got all of your pupils in front of you or you've got some at home mm. or you've got some in front of you and you know half half and half mm. that whatever you're doing with them can still be done yeah. in a blended learning and face-to-face -face way just in case there will be a point where it'll be okay from tomorrow everyone's at home yeah. so well, can carry on and that's absolutely what we're doing as a business we are Everything, and we've got three bookings for the, the yeah. first week back, just with yeah. only four days available, and some of them are face-to-face. -face. But we're not banking on the fact that they're going to remain face-to-face, -face, so they have to be. But you have to be available to um, turn from face-to-face -to, -face to blended learning at the drop of a hat. Seamless. Seamless, we did. So what does that actually mean? Well, those blended learning approaches that we've been talking about in all of our other podcasts, which if you haven't heard, you might want to go back and remind yourself over. But things like um, making sure you've got a really, really clear learning goal, mm. that you know exactly what it is that your, your pupils are supposed to be learning, and you have really clear expectations as to what, what you expect them to actually do, what they expect them to upload, when you expect them to upload it by, um, for those of you who've been following Research Ed, there was a particularly good Research Ed by Harry Fletcher Wood 
uh, talking about making sure that pupils turn up for remote learning. And it's all about the kinds of things that you would do in the classroom every day, but just in a blended learning approach, you know, set clear expectations and follow up and have a consistent follow up process for that. There's lots of things that you can do during the first few weeks when you are face to face that actually will prepare you for when things aren't as straightforward. But, but I think it's what we, we, we talked very much, because we always had a little bit of chat before we had our yes, podcast. We, we were talking about the differences possibly that our secondary colleagues would be finding uh, compared to our primary colleagues, where, and, and I was talking to a, you know, an old, older colleague of mine, should I say, um, in the week, that, that when she goes back in September, she will be working um, in, a, in a very, very different way where she's moving from classroom to classroom. You know, and the logistics and the and the differences that mm. teachers are going to find, you know, every hour, every fifty minutes, mm. packing up, moving on, going somewhere else. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's challenging. It is challenging, and it's something that I experienced in my my first school. Uh, it was a split site secondary school, so we had a lower school and we had an upper school. And even when you know organisation, there was a you know a moving time. Um, it was a car drive away. It was, it was only a five minute car drive away, but still a car drive away. And with the best will in the world, you can't finish lessons early, no. you know, so you're always turning up late and traveling to my year 10 on Monday afternoon and Friday you're afternoon. Always on the back of them, or they were always there before me. And, you know, once they actually locked me out of the classroom, that was fun. But it's, it's being prepared for that. So knowing what you can do in order to manage those kinds of issues, because if you're doing that for every single lesson that you're always yeah. traveling, then you need to have something, you know, you need to have it at the top of your bag, get it out first. This is what we're going to do first. And this is what I'm going to ask you to get on with. Or even have set it prior to the beginning of the lesson. So you're doing it as a blended approach. You email it to them. They all have it. They know what they're supposed yeah. to do and they're getting on with it supposedly before you, before you arrive. The other thing that we were talking about today was where we've got um, teachers who are, uh, are teaching multiple classes in secondary yes. school. or um, RE who are mm. teaching every single child mm. in Key Stage 3, mm. including some Key Stage 4 classes as well. I think that is particularly challenging because you might not only be seeing them once a fortnight mm. and how, how you see and prioritise what you do with those pupils. And it's yeah. thinking about, okay, they're not necessarily in individual classes. Think about it as possibly a year group yeah. as one much larger class that you can so they're all moving on together at the same time because I've taught music as well. And, yes. um, you know, you would see 250 pupils over the course yes. of a, a year and you'd see them on a carousel basis. And you'd be teaching them the same thing, but each class would move on slightly differently. Mm. And I think it's making sure that you, as much as possible, is, as you say, moving them on as an entire group all together. You have to prioritise. You've got to be realistic if yeah. what's going to be covered. You know, we haven't mentioned all the well-being no. issues that need to be addressed or will be addressed when, when people go back to school as well. You know, talking of that, there was an interesting article um, from Tom Bennett, actually, in The Guardian, talking, you know, the behaviour yes. in, um in England, talking about what should you do for pupils when they're returning uh, from, you know, experiencing a global pandemic. And one of the things that... I feel personally very strongly about is that um, structure and um, certainty 
are actually the things that children need more to feel secure. Yeah. So it's not about, you know, giving them a pass to go out of the class if they're feeling uh, bad as the only way you're looking at it. That's one way. But making sure there's very, very clear structure and the expectations are absolutely crystal clear. And, you know, you are following up. Um, if they're not engaging with work, that there's a school-wide vision for what is the follow-up, you know, in the same way as you would do in class, if they don't hand in homework, you know, what's the process? Is it, you know, one strike, two strikes, what, what happens? And how does that fit with those who are not in school so that they know that teachers care enough? And I know that all teachers care enough, but you need to actually express that practically. How are you actually um, developing the structures and the support and the consistency and that security for pupils because that will make a massive difference i know schools have got many many things in place that they do look after their their new cohort it, you know in that way but i think now is a crucial time that we extend that and think about other year groups as well so if we're thinking about what it actually needs to be adaptable and flexible and being able to deal with any situation what we have um, talked about this morning which um, is something that you might want to think about is using your preparation time whatever that preparation time is before um, school or you know the first two weeks before um, it's compulsory that everybody is in is thinking about um, being really really clear with the learning and being really really clear with that learning um, in any context so having a knowledge organizer setting it out and as Jane you were saying you know being um, realistic is focusing on the foundational, prioritising those people who are going to be uh, need more support, identifying, saying, if my class um, has to learn remotely, those are the people that I'm going to first because I know that those are the people that struggled the most or have lost the most. And if you're talking about Key Stage 4, we've also got, of course, the exam boards so, uh, for many subjects I know, and we know I talk about mine in particular, I know in English, that um, they've drastically or well, they're not drastic they've cut back on the expectation for the for the specifications for this year so it's worthwhile going back and looking at okay what have they said we're not going to be testing our mm. pupils on you know because we're talking about year 11 you've yeah. got two terms yeah maximum possibly if you know we're out again in the autumn yeah. term what are we going to do so it's thinking very clearly ahead how we can manage that yeah because i think one of the issues that happened uh, when in march lockdown was announced that it was all very much emergency and you know it happened over a number of days and all of a sudden you had to be in a position where um, you know you were teaching um, via the internet mm. however that happened but we're not in that position this time we are in a position where we've got time and space and we have warning that this may happen and i think looking at what's happening abroad looking at what's happening in the north of england i think you know without being certain i think we are in as certain as we can be that there will be some disruption mm. you know and i think we have to plan for the worst case scenario and that means being really really clear where you're going who needs a priority how you're going to support the security of pupils and make sure that everybody um, is ready and i think that being yeah. ready but it's also not just not just working to this, this proposal this expected peak in September October we could have a further peak so it's not just about look at that in a short-term way but it's thinking about how can we change our practice so that regardless of what's going on with COVID we can still 
ensure that our pupils have got access to really good learning and teaching at home. And one of the things that I think we both needed a break because of is that as a business, we're constantly thinking about um, the worst case scenario. You know, what it, what it would look like, it yes. all goes it all goes wrong and everybody is you know in a, in a further lockdown position and actually that that's been quite stressful for it's us it is really exhausting what i was saying to my family is you don't have to to think about it in this way but i'm constantly thinking about you know what happens if the worst happens and i think that what we've seen on social media um and what we've talked about to colleagues as well there are a lot of people out there who who don't like to do that and completely understandably, I don't like to do that either, but I think um, somebody in every school needs to do that. But it is meant to be quite exhausting. Yeah, but somebody needs to have thought about the worst case scenario and planned for it because yeah. we can't be in a situation again where, you know, pupils are getting um, worksheets from multiple platforms and they're not uploading and nobody knows how to do it and, you know, nobody's got a laptop. We, we can't be there again. It just, yeah. we want to be in a situation that if you, if you hear three o'clock, Mm. on a Monday afternoon that pupils have to isolate tomorrow yeah that you're, they, ready. That you're ready and that they know exactly what to do so yeah. they're using things like Google Classroom using yeah. Microsoft Teams throughout so yeah. pupils can access yeah in so there, is a, there is a preparation there was a plan in place interestingly just brought to mind I started my uh, teaching career as uh, English as foreign language and I taught English in Greece um, in Thessaloniki in the north for um, a couple of years and while I was out there, um, there was um, an earthquake due and the, the previous earthquake had actually raised the city to the ground and there were 80 dead. So it was like it was a serious thing. And we had a plan. We, you know, we were prepared for it. We did our earthquake drills and, you know, we, thank goodness it never happens. But, you know, that's the situation that we're in. We, we need to have a plan. We need to prepare for it. And it's, it's not good enough to say, well, you know, everybody's open and school is a priority because nobody can accurately predict what's going to happen in your school what you're going to need and if you are prepared there's so much that you can use that preparation for the blended learning as jane's saying you know if you've got children who um, are excluded for one reason or another you know or maybe they're, they're ill and they can't access school it's perfect for them so it's no longer just those who are in front of you you're teaching thanks for listening don't forget to subscribe to make sure you don't miss future episodes and you can find us online at www impact.wales and you can also follow us on social media on twitter we're at impact wales on facebook and instagram search for impact wales and on linkedin search for impact school improvement <laughs>